If you're able to remain standing, please do as we read God's word together. We're going to read Daniel chapter 10. If you've ever um, gone to prayer and wondered how awesome it might be if the, an angel of the Lord or the presence of the Lord actually showed up while you're praying, and this chapter will give you some clues as to what that might be like. So feel free to read along with me. In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a word of revelation was to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and there was a great conflict. He understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. And the sound of his words was like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them, and they hid themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. As I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Behold, a hand touched me, and it set me trembling on my hands and on my knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. When he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. He came to make you understand what it is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. For behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason of this vision, pains have come to, to me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains with me and no breath is left within me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. As he spoke to me, I was strengthened. I said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. 
And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these, except Michael, your prince. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth, for the things that you want to reveal to us. I pray now that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you want us to know from your holy book. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just had one request that needed an answer. I had finished my taxes early and I got my tax return back, but the number that came back was a little different than what I expected. And the note that came from the IRS was a little vague. It wasn't very clear on why that number was different. And so I just wanted to call to figure out what happened? What exactly is this? You know, I wasn't angry. Um, I wasn't trying to fight. You know, I figured this is probably right. Um, I just want to know which one of these seven reasons that they gave me is the reason that this number is different. And so I looked all over online and I couldn't find anything and just got more vagueness and couldn't find a number that would help. And so I even tried four different times I called before I finally got to be on hold to wait for a human being that I could talk to that could answer my question. And then I sat on hold for about an hour and a half before somebody finally answered the phone. And when I started talking, they then hung up. And it was just so ridiculous that at that point, I just had to laugh because I just want somebody to answer my question. This is it. But this is what I get. Maybe you felt that way with your prayer life. Maybe sometimes you felt that way in trying to get a hold of God. And God, I just have a question. There's just something I'm trying to figure out, or it's just a small thing. Can't you help me? But instead, it feels like God is just leaving you on hold or even hanging up on you while you're on your knees. And the question that many of us have, not just in that moment, but often is, you know, why do so many of our prayers go unanswered? Why so often when we are sitting there and desperately praying and asking and begging of God, does it seem like he is just ignoring us or has nothing to say? That's the central question that I think this text gives us an answer for. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to, to preach through this and, and to go through it. Um, this is actually a passage that I've been um, wrestling with for several months. It's the passage that made me want to preach through the book of Daniel. Um, so I'm really, and, and God and his providence worked it out um, that this would be the Sunday um, that I get to do that. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to ask this question of why does God not always answer our prayers? And what is going on? So first, we're going to look at our perspective, then we'll look at God's perspective, and then finally, we'll see our encouragement. So our first point, if you're taking notes in your bulletin, our perspective is that our prayers often seem unanswered or ignored. This is from our perspective. This seems to be what happened, is that our prayers are unanswered or they're just ignored. God leaves us on hold. And it's almost easy to miss when you read through this chapter because there's a lot going on here. But if you look at the beginning, Daniel is desperately praying to God for an answer to his prayer. And from his perspective, it seems like God has nothing to say to him. If we look in verse 2, he says, in, or it begins in verse 1, The third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the word was great, and it was a, or true, and a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. So he has another vision. Daniel's had a number of these. He's translated and, and interpreted a number of one of these. And so he has another one. And this one seems to be about some kind of great conflict. It, it's left a little vague for us. It doesn't say which one. 
It could have been a vision about Persia or Greece or Rome. It could have been another vision that he's had before. It could be a new vision about the end of the world. We, we don't know. It doesn't quite tell us. But whatever it is, it's bothering Daniel. But he, under, he seems to understand it. So then in verses 2 and 3, it tells us, you know, in those days, I, Daniel, I was mourning or praying for three weeks. For three weeks, he begins to fast and to pray. And we don't know what his prayer exactly is about. Um, he doesn't tell us. The angel doesn't tell us, and Daniel doesn't quite give it away. He could be praying for wisdom on what do I do in light of this. I don't think he's praying in order to understand what the vision is, because it tells us that he already gets it or knows what it means. Um, he could be praying about Jerusalem and the temple because it's still not being built, even though his people are going back into the land, although they're facing opposition. He could be praying that God would let him go back to Jerusalem. We just, we don't know. The text doesn't tell us what his prayer is. And I think this is intentional, that Daniel doesn't tell us because we don't really need to know. But he also doesn't tell us that we can all see ourselves with him in his unanswered prayer. So we can more easily identify with him in being there and waiting weeks for God to give you an answer. And Daniel isn't just praying, he's also fasting. He says, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for a three full or full three weeks. It's a simple fast. So he's still eating and drinking, which is probably a good idea because he's in his 80s, maybe even his 90s now. But he's not eating the king's food and wine and steak. He's just eating, drinking water, eating bread. He's not anointing himself, so he's probably you know, not taking a bath or a shower and putting on all of his perfume and his makeup. He is just being very simple. He is acting as if this prayer is serious, and he really needs an answer from God. I want you to put yourself in Daniel's shoes. Three weeks of not doing much other than praying. If you spent three weeks just drinking water and eating some simple bread and that was it, wanting for God to answer you, you would start to feel that soon. Right? I would feel it on day two because I would want to eat something else and maybe drink some Dr. Pepper or something more, more tasty. But as the days and weeks and weeks go by, still nothing. And just last week in chapter 9, we saw that Daniel, in the middle of his prayer, right, this great big prayer of confession, of confessing the corporate sins of his nation, before he's even done praying, an angel shows up and answers it. So he's already had experiences of angels showing up in responses to his prayer. The night before they were all about to be killed, back in chapter 1 or 2, he prayed and asked that God would show him what the vision was, and God that night came and answered him in a dream. Daniel's kind of used to getting his prayers answered in big ways. And yet here, it's nothing, day by day. In verse 4, it mentions, it gives us the date even. You may wonder why that's there. The 24th day of the first month, he still hasn't had this. This means this would have been a little bit after Passover. So as Daniel was fasting all the way through the Passover season, which was their kind of, uh, the, their biggest liturgical event and time. So he's going through Christmas and Easter, and yet he's still just in a spiritual funk, and God seems to be ignoring him. That's how Daniel feels. How often have you found yourself in shoes like that, or like Daniel's, where you're praying and praying, and it's nothing? Maybe prayer that God would help you with your chronic pain, and yet you're still here, and it's just as worse today as it was the day before. Maybe you've been praying that someone you love would believe the gospel, but it seems like they're just getting worse. It's not better. And it's been a lot longer than three weeks. 
Maybe you've been praying that God would provide for you, but the bills just keep stacking up. And you've been praying God would bless you with a child, and it hasn't turned out the way that you hoped. Suspect that all of us know and have prayers that have been ignored. Some even end up walking away from the faith or walking away from Jesus because they have a particular prayer that they were praying and God never answered it or it didn't come true and they just don't know what to do. I don't think I have to convince you that some of our prayers are ignored or unanswered because we all know that. You may keep a list of prayers that God has answered so you can turn to it and, and, and look and be encouraged by it, but all of us, we might not write it down, but deep on our hearts we have a list of prayers that God hasn't answered for us that we carry. I've been fascinated by this, this topic and wondering, you know, why, why does God so often say no or just not say anything at all? I've been half tempted to, to write a book studying the scriptures about it. But the rest of this chapter gives us a partial answer. So, so often from our perspective, it seems like nothing is happening. But what's going on from God's perspective? And from God's perspective, what we see is the reality is that God is at work even when you cannot see it. God is at work even when you cannot see it. It's the second blank on your bulletin. And the rest of this chapter is just wild. Okay, it's distracting and bizarre. If you've never read it before or it's been a while, as you're reading through it, you might just start scratching your head and go, what is happening in this? Pastor, how in the world are you going to explain this? What does any of this have to do with, with prayer? We have angels showing up. We have visions. We have demons, and they're wrestling with angels. It seems like demons are in charge of nations or kings or, or empires. It's enough to make your head just spin and try and figure out what is this. But what happens in this chapter, why this is all here, is I think what is happening is we are getting to peek behind the curtain of reality. They got pulls the curtain just a little back, back for Daniel so he can see, hey, it looks like nothing's been happening from your perspective, but let me just give you a glimpse of what I've been doing. And what I've been doing is there's a lot of work going on here behind the scenes that you don't see. So let's take a little bit closer look at what happens on the other side. Daniel, he's simply, he's standing here in verse 4 on this day, standing at the bank of a great river, the Tigris River. He tells us even where he is. So he's kind of out and about with his daily life, probably doing some work because there are other people with him. And he lifts his eyes up in verse 5, and I looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Upaz, which is a place that had, was really well known for their gold around his waist, and his body was like beryl. And his face was like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes like flaming torches, and his arms and legs like gleaming burnished bronze. And the sounds of his words were like the sound of a multitude. It didn't even sound like somebody talking. It sounded like rushing waves or like a thousand voices. He sees something or someone amazing. And we can debate and wonder who actually is this. Is this a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus who I think has already shown up in the book of Daniel or is it just an angel? Um, I think this is probably Jesus, especially because it matches very closely um, with the description of Jesus in Revelation 1. In Revelation 1, 12 through 17, there's a number of details that are similar in both places. And that in Revelation 1, we know it's Jesus because it says it's him. There is also wearing a white linen robe. There he's also, he has some kind of a golden sash or a golden belt. His legs are bronze in both places. His face is bright and his eyes are like flame in both. And in both places, his voice is also overwhelming. Either the sound of the multitude or the sound of the crashing ocean. 
I also think it's Jesus because his, his vision seems similar to Paul's experience on the road to Damascus in Acts 9. He says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. The men who were with me didn't. But a great trembling fell on them, and they fled to hide themselves. So they don't see, but they, maybe they hear what's happening, or something happens that they know something radical is broken into their reality at that moment, even though they can't see it. And so they run away. So they don't see Jesus either, but something causes them to flee. Could have been like in Acts 9 where they heard the voice. But Daniel sees it, and it knocks him off his feet. So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. And then I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with a face on the ground. Another reason I think this is Jesus is Daniel's already seen plenty of angels and visions all throughout this book, if you've been with us as we've studied. He's seen radical beasts, and he's seen the Ancient of Days, and he's seen the Son of Man before as well. And he's seen and talked with Gabriel a couple times before this. Saw Gabriel in chapters 9 and 8, a different angel in chapter 7, and it seems like an angel appeared in Daniel 6 with the lion's den as well. Daniel's seen lots of angels. So I don't think this is just another angel. In the presence of God, this, this person knocks him on his face, and he falls into his deep sleep. He, he basically passes out and just falls on his face because he's so overwhelmed. And someone has to wake him up. In verse 10, and behold, a tan touches me. And sets me trembling on my hands and knees. Has to, to pull him back up. Wipe off his robe and his pants. And bring him back. And this person who does it, some who say, well, okay, that's Jesus. But maybe this person talking is a different person. Um, it, it could be different since the voice is now understandable instead of a multitude. But a, a similar thing happens again in Revelation 1. Where the, John falls on his face and then a hand touches him and lifts him back up and then speaks to him. And that voice is Jesus. So I think it's Jesus. You can disagree with me there on that. Uh, the important thing is, is what is said. And this person says, oh Daniel, man greatly loved. Man greatly loved. Those are good first words especially after you've just been unconscious and you're trying to make sense of reality and what's happening. He says, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand what I, I'm here to speak to you. Stand upright. I've been sent to you. And when he spoke to me, this word to me, I stood up trembling. But again, you know, Daniel is reminded that he is loved. This is not the first time that he's been told this. He was told this again in chapter 9. The biggest surprise is then what comes next out of the angel's mouth in verse 12. The angel says, you know, fear not, Daniel. For the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. That would be news to Daniel, do you think? Day one of his 21-day fast, God heard, and God answered, and God sent an answer. But from Daniel's perspective, God had not heard, and God had not answered, and God was ignoring him. Every day, he kept wondering, are you going to answer me or not? Just in, in chapter 9, two years ago, I sat down and prayed, and an angel showed up, and I wasn't even asking for an angel to show up. But now I am asking for something, and here, I'm not getting anything. But God heard it on day one. God was at work, even though Daniel couldn't see it. And something hindered this answer from coming. In verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is going to happen to your people in the latter days. 
for the vision is for the days yet to come. So Jesus or, or this angel um, was delayed in their coming. We spent the last 21 days wrestling with the, the demonic prince over the Persian Empire. So this is partially why some people will say this can't be Jesus, or if it was Jesus in the beginning, it's got to be somebody different here, because no demon could hinder Jesus, to which I say an emphatic amen, of course. Uh, but we also know, too, that Jesus and God wrestled with Jacob in Genesis. Okay, God wasn't, you know, so impressed with Jacob's muscles that he couldn't beat him and get away from him. God it was actively choosing to, to act a certain way. So God has been known to allow humans or demons even to appear to be winning or to, to be on even footing with him, even though they are not. He is the one in control of everything. So I don't think that means it couldn't be him. God could stop it at any time he wants to. But this right here, this is the most confusing and kind of intriguing part of the book or the chapter. Maybe even the book of Daniel. Whole theologies of, you know, angelology and demonology and prayer are built off of these couple verses. Because again, it says there's a prince who's over Persia. This doesn't seem to be a human individual. This seems to be some kind of demonic power that has been appointed, whether by God or by the enemy, and they're in charge in some way. Okay, so does that mean that every nation has a demon that's over them or just some nations? Certainly not my nation, right? The other nations I don't like would have that. Um, this leads us to do that. Or is there a hierarchy to angels because Michael is a chief, you know, prince and he's coming to help tag team whoever this is. So th there's angels and demons are fighting, but, you know, who's in charge? How many angels? Is, is Michael the highest one? This is why he might be the archangel or something. It's where some of this kind of comes in through. You know, our angels and demons, they're fighting, there's a conflict, and this conflict has something to do with our prayers, right, in some way. So what do we do with it? This is where I think we can get distracted. I do think this chapter has something to teach us about angels and demons, but I don't think it's the point of it. I don't think Daniel 10 is primarily here to teach Daniel about how the spiritual realm functions. So he can figure out the hierarchy of angels and demons and how that interferes with his prayer life. I don't think that's it. We got to remember what's the context. What's the larger context of this book and what's happening? And the context is Daniel's got a prayer that he's been praying and praying and praying, and God hasn't answered it yet, and God hasn't done anything. And he's wondering why God has been delaying, and what God does is he doesn't really give him an answer, but he just peels back the curtain. And he says, look, here's what's happening behind the scenes that you had no idea about. Here's what I've been doing at the backstage of the world. God is graciously revealing to Daniel, Daniel, you have been ignored. I haven't forgotten you. In fact, the moment that those words exited your mouth, I already had an answer, and I was sending it. I was working on it. I was taking care of that for you. You just couldn't see it yet. God was hard at work in a way that Daniel wouldn't ever know or see unless God chose to let him know, unless God chose to allow it. And I think even Jesus himself was working hard to answer Daniel's request. So I, I think, you know, and some seem to take this a different way. They seem to think that this passage is meant to encourage our prayers. You know, that it's here to show us that, you know, hey, if, you don't have, if your prayer's not getting answered, it's because a demon is hindering it. So you need to make sure you fast. And you need to make sure you pray hard and maybe even three weeks of prayer because, you know, your fasting and prayer is just like rocket fuel for angels so they can fight demons. I don't think that's what this is saying. Or they might say, you know, well, your prayers are unanswered because demons are hindering the work of God right now. So you've got to go to work. And if you don't, it might not happen because God's being hindered and his answers are being held back by our enemy. 
Maybe I'm wrong, and that's true, but I don't think so, and I don't think that's the point either. I think this is meant to be an encouragement to Daniel, not legalism. It's not to be another thing on Daniel's to-do list. Jesus doesn't show up and say, man, Daniel, I'm so glad that you were praying because we just couldn't have done it without you. Man, I was really struggling on day 14 when, when you almost broke your fast, but you stayed strong, and that, that let me get the upper hand so I could get away and come answer you. Thank you, man. Daniel just couldn't do anything without you. I'm so glad you are such a fierce prayer warrior. We all talk about you. you you're the reason all the prayers get answered. You know, I wish other people could help us out. You see how silly that sounds once you start working that out a little bit. No. God is just letting Daniel know that while you thought I was, act, was passive and wasn't doing anything, I was doing a lot. I was wrestling and fighting with demons and working out your request behind the scenes. So what does this mean for us today? The reality is I have no idea why God hasn't answered your prayer. Whatever it is. I'm sure almost all of us have something that we've been praying for maybe for a long time or maybe something even just this week that God has not answered. I don't know why. I, I do know, you know, I don't know why there are situations that I've prayed for for years or a decade that seem even worse today than they've ever been. And in my darker moments make me wonder, well, why am I even praying? Because it doesn't seem to be doing anything. Here's what I do know. I do know is that if you could look behind the curtain, you would see that God is at work. He's at work even when you cannot see it. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he's doing it. I don't know why he's doing it, but I know he is doing something. And I know he's in control. And if we could look behind the curtain, it would blow our minds. Because even just this little tiny glimpse Daniel got thousands of years ago leaves us salivating. It makes us want to go wonder and think, yeah, I've got to study this more and figure out how the demons and angels, what is all this stuff going on? Because we just get this small little leaking through the peephole of what God is doing on the other side of reality. And we realize, man, I don't understand anything that God does. That's just the smallest glimpse you get. What do you think he's doing all the time? What do you think he's doing here or in your life, in the lives of those that you love or pray for? He's doing something. I don't know what it is but I know he's at work. And God doesn't fill us in on all of that, right? God doesn't fill us in on his every move. He doesn't respond to all of our prayers with an email that lists out the reasons that he said no or what he's busy with. You know, I've put you, you know, you're, you're, I'm going to take care of that in about six months, but here's why. And here's the 27 things that I'm lining up that are going to happen before this happens. And I know it's not what you wanted, but here I've attached, you know, a 17-page document that will answer your every question that will explain why I'm not going to do what you wanted me to do, but it's going to end up working better. That's not what God does. And thank God he doesn't. If that's how God did respond, that's not a God anymore. That's just a servant. That's a cosmic genie who answers our wishes we get on our knees. That's not the God we worship. Here's what we do know. We know and we can hold to the promise that our God is at work. You know, He's doing something and we won't understand it. And it might even be something that we don't like. But know that God is not ignoring you. God has not forgotten you. God is not leaving you on hold and He's going to hang up as soon as He gets a chance. God hears you. And he's at work behind the scenes, even if it looks like nothing's happening. 
So God is working on this behind the scenes. How can we be encouraged or on what grounds? How can it strengthen us? Well, we can be encouraged because the God at work loves you. The God at work loves you. The God who is working behind the scenes in ways that you do not see and may never see and certainly will never fully understand, even on the other side of eternity, I don't think. But you can know that God loves you. We don't just find encouragement that he's doing something. Why would that be comforting? Well, what if he's doing something I don't like? Well, he might be, but we can be encouraged because whatever he is doing, we can know that he loves us. And he's doing something for those that he loves and cares for. There's Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who love him. It doesn't mean all things work out exactly how you wish that they would. But God is working all things for good, and we can find comfort. And this is where Daniel finds strength and encouragement in our chapter. When Daniel hears about God is at work and sees behind the curtain and sees all of these things in verse 15, he says, when he spoke in these, according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. He didn't know what to say. He was dumbstruck. And then, and then I opened my mouth and I spoke and I said to him, oh Lord, by, by reason of the vision, pains have come on me. And I retain no strength, which is the vision he's seeing now, not the one he had before, I don't think. And he says, how can my Lord's servant talk to my Lord? How can I talk to you? No strength remains. No breath is in me. He has no strength. He doesn't even know what to say. He's used up all of his words. Maybe you felt like you were just out of strength and just didn't even know what to say next. That's what, exactly where Daniel was. He doesn't even know why God's bothering to talk to him. He's, he's got nothing for the situation. And again, the figure in 18 says, again, the one having the appearance of man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved. Fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. It's the second time in this chapter, it's the third time in the book that Daniel is told, God loves you. When Daniel is weak, when Daniel has no strength, when he has no words, what does he get? He doesn't get a dissertation explaining all of God's ways. He gets, God loves you, Daniel. Daniel, God loves you. You don't need to be afraid. Fear not because God loves you. Daniel, you can have peace because God loves you. Daniel, you can be strong because God loves you. Daniel, you can have courage because God loves you. The perfect fear, the perfect love of God casts out all fear in 1 John 4, 18. You can have strength not because you're strong, Daniel, but because God is strong and the strong God loves you. You can be courageous not because you are brave, but because you are loved. And what does hearing of this love do to Daniel in 20? As soon as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Hearing that God loved him is what gave him strength. It wasn't answers. It wasn't a supernatural gift. He didn't touch him and fill him up with, you know, miraculous strength. He just told him, touched him on the shoulder, looked him in the eyes and says, God loves you, Daniel. And that is what gave him what he needed. He didn't get answers to his questions, but he did receive the love of God. 
And this is the, the backdrop. And after explaining this and being strengthened, then the, this person goes on to explain the visions that will take place in chapters 11 and 12. Really, 10, 11, and 12 are kind of one um, narrative unit, but we're, we're breaking it up every week. So next week, we'll do um, Daniel 11, and we'll, we'll cover that and kind of unpack, okay, well, well, what's next? What is he saying? But the starting point on all of it is, Daniel, you are loved. God who's been working behind the scenes for you loves you. And maybe you're feeling like Daniel was this morning. Maybe your strength is gone. Maybe you feel ignored and kicked to the side. Have you seen how others get their prayers answered and others comes off the prayer list because there's been a miracle happened and you take yours off of it just because you're so sick of asking about it and you don't want to bother people because God still isn't answering that one. And you're just ready to give up. You can find strength in the same place that Daniel did can find it in the love of God that he has for his children. You know, I have no idea what God is doing on your behalf. I don't know why God hasn't answered your prayer. Maybe it's because of demons and angels. Maybe he's already answered it and things are slowly working in motion to work out greater than you can imagine. Maybe the answer is just no. And God has another and a better plan. But whatever it is, what I know is that God loves you. God loves you, and the answer that you get is from a God who loves you and who cares about you. Not somebody who hates you. Not somebody who's annoyed by you. Not somebody who wishes you would stop peppering him with your request again for the thousandth time because he's already told you. God loves you, and his patience never, ever ends. So you can find your strength in the love of God. And that God has proved that He loved you. Like any relationship with human beings, right, we start to wonder because our feelings fade day to day. Some days we, we really feel like we love people. Other days we wonder why we, you know, had got anything to do with them in the first place. And some days it's, it's up and down. And so there are days even then we can start to wonder if God really does love us. Well, I know He loved me once. Does He still love me today? I haven't been very good the last year or decade, or longer. If you ever wonder how God feels about you, all you have to do is look at the cross. Because that's where He told you. And that's where He proved it. The Godhead in eternity past, they hatched a plan. And they decided to send Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, to die on your behalf. Because God loved you. And He wanted to save you from your sins. For God so loved the world, that he sent his only son to die, that whosoever may believe may find eternal life. What motivated that? God's love. The cross is the greatest gesture of love in the universe, and it almost seems cheap to refer to it as that way because it's so much more than that, but it also is the proof that God does love and care for you. And Jesus decided to die for you knowing all of the truth about you, knowing all of your sinfulness, knowing all of your past, knowing all of the things that you are ashamed of, that you have buried and tried to forget yourself. He saw all of it, and he still said, I love them. I will die for them so that they can find forgiveness for their sins, not because they are so righteous and so amazing, but just as an act of love. 
And the Bible is another proof that God loves you. It is his words. It's proof that the God who loves you speaks to you in a way that you can understand, a way that you can hold in your hands and you can spend your whole life reading his words, reading his acts of love all throughout history, reading about the way that he feels for you. The Holy Spirit is another proof that God loves you, that that if you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in you. That God himself is always close. He is not far off. He's not up high on Mount Olympus. He lives inside you, listening. And when you don't know what to pray, he even prays on your behalf, as Romans tells us. Where can we find strength? We can find strength because our God loves us. There's so much about the world that I don't understand. Day by day. I get reminded how little I know. There's so much about the ways of God that I don't get, no matter how much I study it. No matter how many books I read and things I figure out, I realize, God, I have no idea what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing in my life. I definitely don't know what you're doing in the world. But here's what I do know. I do know that God loves you. I know that God died for you. I know that every single one of you is greatly loved by God. And you can rest And find strength in his love, even when your prayers go unanswered. And if you're not a believer, if you don't know Jesus, that love is available to you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have a to-do list for you to accomplish so that you can be good enough to get God to love you. God already knows everything about you. And he loves you and he died on the cross for you. And he is waiting with open arms for you to come. Repent of your sins, put your faith in him, and embrace his love forever. So come to Jesus and find it. So in summary, where we've been this morning, you know, often our prayers seem unanswered and ignored from our perspective. But from God's perspective, he is hard at work behind the scenes. It's like if you went to a musical or a play. There's a lot going on on stage, but there's way more going on if you could be on the other side of the curtain especially all the practices and everything that's happened to lead up to that one moment with those those few in front of you. And what we can know is what everything God is doing behind the curtain, behind the stage in ways we can't see is done by a God who loves you and who cares for you, even if you can't see it. So the next time that you have an unanswered prayer, I want you to picture that curtain. And try and peek through. Sometimes when I go to plays, I try and look at the side and see if I can see something going on back there. I know I can't see the whole thing, but I want just a little piece of what's happening. The next time you have a prayer that is unanswered, I want you to to picture that. And picture, see, God, what, what are you doing? I know you're doing something. What is it? Try and imagine it and then rest on the fact that God is doing something and that he loves you. And find your strength, not in having all of your needs and your requests met and answered the way that you want, but in the fact that the God of the universe, who spoke the world into existence with a word, loves you, hears you, and is working on your behalf, even now. And who proved that love on the bloody cross and the empty tomb. And he closes in prayer and invite our worship team to come up. God, I just ask that you would remind all of us of your love. 
Lord, all of us have prayers that so often go unanswered. All of us have times that we, we feel like you are ignoring us. Lord, would you help us to picture that curtain, to know and to rest in the fact that you are doing something, something greater than we can imagine. And maybe even if we could see it, it would break our brains and turn our minds to mush because we can't even comprehend what you do and who you are. Lord, would you help us to find strength in our darkest, weakest, most desperate moments? Not by just gritting our teeth and forcing ourselves to get through it, but will we find strength in your love? Lord, I ask that you would whisper in the ear of every person in this room and those part of our church who are not here with us. Would they hear your voice? Tell them that you are loved. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Why don't you stand um, as we sing and worship our Savior one more time. Amen. Soon we will see our King. Um, before I read our, our benediction, um, I want to remind you there will be a short uh, reception in the youth room back down that hallway over there. I have been informed that I need to make my way there quickly, um, so I want to be obedient um, to that. Um, but so I'd love to see you there. Um, our benediction this, this month is from Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God bless you. Go in peace.